Hello, and welcome to another all-new episode of Close Talking. I am one of your co-hosts, Jack Rossiter-Munley. And I am your other co-host, Connor McNamara-Stratton. And today, because it's such a big topic and it's so integral to the entirety of Haiku, we're continuing Haiku Week. Welcome to Day 6. We're going to continue our conversation about translation. Quickly, before we jump back into our conversation on translation, I just want to say if you're enjoying this special series on haiku, or if you enjoy any of our regular episodes in our usual read the poem, talk about the poem, read the poem again format, it would mean the world to us if you would hop over to the iTunes store or Apple Podcasts, as it's called, and leave us a rating and review. Those ratings and reviews are the best way to help us find more listeners. So if you like what we're doing here, it would mean a lot to us if you would leave us a rating and a review. For the first part of our conversation on translation and our discussion of this Basho poem, hop back and listen to Haiku Week episode 5. Just to set the stage, here are a variety of translations of the haiku that we're discussing. And we'll include them again at the end of the episode, too. Old Pond. Frogs jumping in. Sound of water. Lafcadio Hearn. The old pond, a frog jumps in, plop, R.H. Blythe. An old pond, a frog jumps in the water, the sound, Hiroki Sato. Breaking the silence of an ancient pond, a frog jumped into water, a deep resonance. One other interesting bit of context, and this is something that I didn't know, is that this haiku was actually the hoku, the first haiku of a renga. It's interesting because I just, I feel like it's one of those, it's become so iconic. It, it has all this pressure to be like, this is the ultimate haiku. And then it makes people very upset because they're like, well, it's just describing a frog jumping into a pond, and I haven't achieved immediate enlightenment. Um, and when I read that it was sort of part of a renga, it was a way for me to take off some of that pressure, I think, um, and also give me more context into what it might be meaning. So if we remember what a renga is, you know, the first one is the guest. Um, but actually, in this situation, Basho is apparently the host. I don't know. I don't understand. And he led off. And so as the host, he sort of self-deprecates himself. Um, so one way to read it, and this is sort of how Sato provides a reading of it in his book, an old pond, a frog jumps in the water, the sound. He's like, I invite you over to my party. You're supposed to be having a good time, and the, all I can give you is like the sound of a frog jumping into a pond. Um, so it's actually a kind of like, you know, this is all I got, rather than this is pure Zen. Um, and then the Waki, which was by Enomoto Kikaku, suspended over young rush blades a spider's web which I love. I feel like that's beautiful. And if we think about the guest as doing a praise poem, 
he's sort of responding to Basho saying, all I have is a frog in a pond. And he's saying, no, this is like, there's real beauty in this stillness and in this quiet, what great silence you've given us. Suspended over young, young rush blades, a spider's web. One way of thinking about it, um, and it, in, in that context, you know, we may not like the plop that much or the deep resonance that much. At the same time, yeah, there's there's something, it's like not, cl it's clearly not just self-deprecating. So the kind of the, the translation, um, an old pond, a frog jumps in the water, the sound, that preserves some ambiguity, perhaps. I think it's also, you can point out that it's a translator or editor's choice to remove this haiku from the Renga and to put it in a collection of just Basho's work as opposed to viewing the the whole Renga. And I don't know if it was preserved. I don't really know the provenance of this particular Renga, but to remove it from the context of the of the Waki also changes its meaning as we've been discussing. Like it, it's a very different feeling than this sort of self-deprecating feeling when it's completely on its own. I also have to admit, I'm a little partial to the plop, not necessarily as something that really works in the poem, but again, when a translator sees the sound of water and thinks, Oh, what if I made that onomatopoetic? That's like a neat, piece of creativity on the translator's part. And I, in reading that, am thinking more about the creativity of the translator than getting more meaning out of the poem. So it's a different appreciation, but I appreciate it as like, interesting thought, R.H. Blythe. Doesn't necessarily work super well for me, but I kind of like that you thought of it. I like that too. And it, it's, it brings in, you know, one thing that I think has unfairly sort of, um, been put upon haiku is that it's it's seen as very serious and like zen-like, you know, uh, and profound, um, which it often is, but it's also often very playful. I mean, you know, we, we've talked about um, Isa, who's, you know, quite playful all the time in his Don't Worry Spiders, I Keep House Casually, uh, all the time I pray to Buddha, I keep on killing mosquitoes. Um, he has just another one because I, he, I, I love his stuff. At the Imperial Inn, a snail acts as if it were all his. At lightning, a toad gives himself a pat on the head. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he would be fun to meet and hang out with. Yes. He yeah. just seems like a cool guy who's got a pretty good line on life. I know. I know. Yeah. No, he's he's so good. Um, and I learned that actually he's one of the first people apparently to like sort of record his like personal feelings and sort of keep a record of that stuff down. Um, and he also wrote like a lot of haiku like he did super prolific like twenty thousand, i think maybe yeah I mean, it's amazing uh, 
Um, and so, and just for reference, ESO was sort of lived in the late 1700s and early 1800s. So he was like, I guess like a hundred years after Basho. Um, okay, there's one more that I really like. Uh, letting the lake wind blow on his ass, a cicada chirps. <laughs> Which is great. And apparently cicadas, like they, when they lay their eggs or they do something, they kind of squat on the river or the water. So it's actually a, a quite um, clinically accurate haiku and not funny at all. Yeah, it's just science. And science <laughs> is never funny. So <laughs> get it together. Get your minds out of the gutter, poetry people. Jeez. Exactly. Exactly. Just bringing it back to the Basho, the one thing that the plop does do is it introduces that kind of levity or that playfulness into the haiku um, in stark contrast to the deep resonance. Um, so I appreciate it for that. Old Pond, frogs jumping in, sound of water. Lafcadio Hearn. The old pond. A frog jumps in. Plop. R.H. Blythe. An old pond. A frog jumps in the water, the sound. Hiroki Sato. Breaking the silence of an ancient pond. A frog jumped into water. A deep resonance. Yuasa Nobuyuki. And this last one that I like is translated by Robert Haas. The old pond, a frog jumps in, sound of water. I like that one a lot too. Hey everybody, this is Jack. As you heard earlier in this episode, and a little bit all throughout Haiku Week, we've been discussing the Renga, the linked verse form from which Haiku evolved, and Connor and I have been writing a Haiku Week Renga back and forth, adding to it every day, so here is the Day 6 updated version of our Haiku Week Renga. Spotting Brooklyn blossoms from the plains, a snowless white as snow. The air is cold with pine, or is it juniper? And does it matter? A raven pines for the needle to move on the sun's seething hot reply. A long walk and a quick stop. Cold chocolate spring. No one else likes sweet tang, chocolate chips, orange sherbet, solitude. The man on the train says Romulus killed his brother, a long way from 6 a.m. All Roads Lead to Lupin was a memoir I never wrote, or maybe fanfic. Spelly arms and fried stupid, I'm witched into stunning, wizarded a world away. Certain alphabets bake dry in the oven without oil or legs. I etch my displeasure one minute at a time. Little things are never secondary, 
as pollen dust speckles the wasp. The park is farther when the wind stops. Six string solace. Hey everybody, this is Jack again. Thank you so much for listening to this sixth episode in Haiku Week. Tomorrow we are going to have our seventh and final episode discussing haiku that are not about nature and also looking at how uh, poets have used haiku as a springboard and how they've played around with the form. And we even talk a little bit about haibun at the end of the episode, the combination of haiku and prose. If you've been enjoying this special series, if you want to see us do a special series like this on another topic, or if you enjoy our regular episodes in the format of reading the poem, talking about the poem, and reading the poem again, we want to hear from you. You can reach out to us by email at closetalkingpoetry at gmail.com, or you can find us on social media. Our Twitter account is at Close Talking. I am at Jack Rossiter Munn, and Connor is at Hot Sauce Boxed. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash close talking, or you can find our newly active Instagram account, which is at close talking poetry. We look forward to hearing from you and we will see you again tomorrow.